Those of us in campus public safety have been working really hard, day and night, thinking about how we can improve campus safety on our campuses across this nation. Campus Roll Call is designed to provide a space for practitioners, academics, community members, and department members to engage in thoughtful conversations about issues that matter to us. My name is Ron L. Higgins. I am the Director of Public Safety and Chief of Police at Yale University. I want to welcome you to Campus Roll Call. and I am the Director of Public Safety and Chief of Police at Yale University. Today, we are joined by retired Lieutenant Ray Hassett. Ray retired from the New Haven Police Department in 2012 and has had a fascinating career, both as a police officer in New Haven and since he's left. Ray's work is amazing. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Ray to talk about his work. But one thing I want this audience to know that Ray is actually an accomplished actor, has served in numerous assignments as a police officer in New Haven, and now is helping police officers and others around the world. Ray, welcome to Campus Roll Call. Tell us about yourself. Good morning, Chief, and uh, thank you for having me. Uh, my background is a little bit unique. Um, I worked in New Haven for 25 years. I ran one of the busiest districts in New Haven, uh, and I ran it for my car. Yeah. Um, very interesting district, very diverse. Um, lots of activity. Uh, three things I learned uh, from being out there. One is if you have to tell people you're the boss, you're not the boss. Wow. Second thing is that people find out who you are when they don't need you. So being out there when, obviously, uh, you have a job to do, you have a assignment, that's important. But probably the most important thing is, who are you after the assignment is done? When you're dealing with human beings, uh, yes, if you have a mission, you can complete that. You can solve the problem. But you're dealing with real people, with real emotions, real trauma. And that's where, when you stay afterwards, when you're out there just basically available for anybody. Sometimes buying a cup of coffee and having a conversation with someone is probably the most important thing you can do for that day, both for yourself and the connection with that person. So you can start building a relationship. You know, we, Ray, we, um, we at the Yale Police Department came to know you because you were the district manager for the Dwight Kensington neighborhood for so many years. In the Dwight Kensington neighborhood abuts the Yale campus, and uh, that neighborhood was not without its challenges. And and you were there, and I and we saw you running the district from your car, and you were always someone who was not only active in that community, but someone who understood what a unity of effort meant. So you would converse with our supervisors and our patrol officers and share information so that problems that you were having, we could be helpful uh, to you in solving. But you have since transitioned. 
you're helping police officers, especially some of the Yale police officers and police officers around this country and around this state. You're helping us in a different way now. And we're solving problems together. And that's through de-escalation training. Can you talk about what de-escalation training is and how you were drawn to it? So de-escalation is a funny word. Mm. Um, it's very, if you really take a step back, it's very hard to define. Mm -hmm. I think where, where we're learning to shape the new definition is that de-escalation is more connection. Mm. Uh, kind of the old school definition is if somebody is really uh, amped up or stressed out or behaving badly, you step in and with perhaps by what you say or while, by how encouraging you are, the expectation is the other person will uh, buy into that and start to comply with uh, your your requests. I kind of think that that's kind of outmoded thinking. Uh, we're 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 in, in training not only police officers but but everyday citizens. We're training them to understanding, to understand behavior, understand trauma, understand history, understanding the, that the little things are the important things. For example, if you have not slept well, if you didn't have breakfast and you can't find a parking space and you're late for a meeting or late for, for some sort of dropping your kids off, those four elements can completely skew your ability to behave appropriately. So, you know, I think that there's a culture shift here in policing. Uh, yes, policy and procedure, the rules are important, mm -hmm. but understanding that people need to feel that they have some sense of control in their life in order to be able to follow the rules. So unwittingly, what I learned as, a, as the boss in, in Dwight Kensington is that people let you lead. If you if you if you come out there all set to go and you got a bunch of rules you want people to follow, you're setting yourself up for failure. So what I have learned and what I train is now, we make it all about the other person. Until I know where you are in this moment, let's take a step back. Let's slow it down. Let me give you some sense of time to feel that you're in control, that we are equals. I can't, I can't make you do anything. You have to be in the, in the mindset to do something so we can work together. So it's a shift. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, I like to call it a Jedi mind shift, uh, but it's good stuff. Yeah. You know, what, what, what you just described tracks with uh, a saying that was uh, said to me, early on in my career as a supervisor, and that is uh, modern day leaders don't lead by intimidation, they lead by understanding. And what you just described is just that. You know, Ray, one of the things that we are, we're starting to see now is um, some people are reluctant to contact the police because they feel um, the police haven't always gotten it right and they don't want to make a bad situation worse. So oftentimes, people are wondering what more they can do to engage to be an effective bystander or what it is that they can do to help a situation or be, be effective in a situation. For instance, um, 
and I and we talked before this, and we're gonna we're gonna go here today. Uh, there were two incidents that have happened over the last week. One where a woman was sexually assaulted on a train in Philadelphia, and no one stepped in to help her. But then in another instance in Arizona, uh, a young young person had went in to rob a store, and there was a marine in the store at that time. He not only intervened, but he ended up disarming that that young man. Can you talk about the, um, both those two instances and, and what it means to be present in the moment and being able to be an effective bystander? So let's, first of all, deep dive into what a bystander is. Let's do it. A bystander is somebody basically, to me, um, who come, stumbles upon a situation mm-hmm. uh, that is outside the norm. Mm-hmm. And either does nothing because it's interesting. Uh, we in policing we have that term rubbernecking. Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes on the highway when there's an accident, right. the traffic slows down. Everybody's looking. Sure. Um, when we're talking about other human beings and situations that are dangerous, um, bystander is is not necessarily where you want to be. And I'm going to go. I'm going to go up to ten thousand feet here, and and let's talk about Socrates. He had a he had a a a phrase: "Know thyself." So, building on that, know, know thyself. What's your skill set? How present are you in the moment? You know, our culture right now is, um, we celebrate multitasking. We are encouraged to multitask through social media. Our devices are our number one um, connecting point, and they're relentlessly loving. No pushback on on a device. Real people push back on you. Real people are driven by emotion. Real people are driven by trauma. Real people are driven by impulse. So complex. So we've unwittingly, and we've done it for a couple of different generations, um, and it's now part of our culture in an alarming way, we've gotten comfortable with being comfortable. When we meet, when we come across a situation which is alarming, know thyself, what's your skill set? And most of us have no skill set. So I, I think we need to talk about what's an effective way to deal with a situation. Well, what is an effective way? So you in, in 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 the way I train, we pay attention to everything. Okay. We pay attention to when things are are normal. We the training and it's and it's actually retraining. We start looking at the little things. When things are going smoothly, how present are you in the moment? Do you notice, for example, um, the tread on a tire? Do you notice the color of somebody's eyes? If you start looking at, I, I do a lot of behavioral, I, one of the, the trainings I do overseas is behavioral observation skills, how to predict uh, terrorist behavior through nonverbal leaks, nonverbal cues. You know, the, the, the human brain, the limbic system leaks what you're thinking and feeling. So if you, if you, if you retrain yourself to pay attention, you start being more attuned to the smaller details. Let's, talk, let's take, for example, how we've become compromised with the pandemic. The face 
for example, is the main screen mm. to read another human being. With the pandemic, uh, we've cut off half the face. So let's go to the eyes. In this training, uh, in, in my training, we train people read the eyes. The eyes will tell you everything. But you've got to be present. Your heart rate has to be slowed down in order to take the time to read a face. A face has roughly 1,500 pixels, myriad of expressions. If you're paying attention, people will telegraph. They will telegraph what they're going to do before they do it. If you fine-tune your sense of being present in the moment, you're going to pick up behavior way before it gets alarming. You know, what I have found in a campus environment and, and, in, and in other environments, um, our communities are digitally distracted, whether it's jogging, whether it's walking down the street, walking into a Starbucks, okay? Not just standing in line, no, but when they're walking in. So when we're walking into a new environment, an environment that we know nothing about, except that, you know, they're selling coffee there, an environment with new people coming in and out all the time, we're not present in the moment. We're not. We're distracted. And that's something that's not only fascinating to me, it, it leads me to this, this other uh, thing I want to talk about. And, and we know this from our training as police officers, and that's the crime triangle. There are three, uh, three elements to a crime. The desire to commit a crime, the opportunity to commit a crime, and the ability to commit a crime. And we've often argued that if one of those elements isn't present, then or if we can reduce um, the opportunity to, to commit a crime, then we can prevent the crime from happening. But when we're not present in the moment, it's difficult for us to stop anything. It's almost like we become, I don't want to say victims, but we become vulnerable. We become vulnerable. And, and that's what I'm saying. Um, I want to change channels uh, for one second. And I want to start to talk about um, bystander. And I know, I know that bystander um, means a lot of different things to a lot of people. But I want to talk about bystander intervention from the perspective of the person that's maybe coming in hot that person that may be having that bad day. In your experience overseas and in training police officers, can you talk a little bit about what, what you're telling police officers and how you're training them to put themselves in the other person's shoes? So it's harder than you think to uh, put yourself into somebody else's shoes. It's harder than we think to put yourself into somebody's story who has no shoes. Mm -hmm. Because most of us live charmed lives now. Uh, ironically enough, the more, the more trauma you've been through, uh, the more bad experiences you've had, uh, either growing up or, or as a, as a grown up, um, they can be used to connect with that empathy. Um, Let's move to the mindset of the perpetrator. Let's move to the mindset of the person causing this situation. Driven by emotion, driven by history, driven by not eating, driven by anger, driven, all those emotions. So the way, the way I work in my training is 
let's experience some of those emotions. And I ask people directly, when was the last time you were really angry? When was the last time you were really hurt? And the feedback that I get from most people who basically are, you know, they didn't sleep in their car last night. They have a good job. They have a family. They got ups and downs. Is that, geez, it was a while ago, maybe a minute. I don't know. But the person who is causing, was caught in that moment, that chaotic moment, is is just on fire with emotions. They're, they are in touch with their emotions. So their ability to read, their ability to read you as a bystander, what's your skill set? Are you afraid? They're pristine. They're almost on a primal level. And primal level is a survival level. So the crime triangle, if I'm, if I'm that criminal, I'm an expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, there, if there's somebody in mental health crisis, I'm the expert because I'm living it. I'm in that survival mode. So we're trying to kind of getting, get people to kind of get back in touch with their emotions. This is where, you know, my, my ability as an actor kind of comes in. It's good stuff. Uh, I'm also an older dad with young kids. So I'm in touch with with how kids think and how intu- how intuitively they're better at this than we as grownups are. Kids read situations extremely well. They're coming in present. Grownups, we as parents, we're on our device, multitasking. Kids and animals are great at this. You know, Ray, as a as a police leader, um, we have to be very thoughtful and judicious about who we bring in as instructors to be in front of police officers, what what you're training, what they're training our police officers. One of the things that I find remarkable about your training is that you don't you don't just come in with a with a can training already prepackaged. You take the time to analyze the environment that the officers are working in, and you tailor the training to fit the need. When we were talking in, prepare, in preparation this morning for this for this podcast, we had a discussion about, or I had shared with you how, yeah, right, I remember going to the soup kitchen and serving food there, and that was a part of our police training before we hit the street. And you looked at me and you said, yeah, but have you ever been hungry? So when we talk about understanding the lived experience of the other person, that is, I believe, where we need to focus on in policing. And I, I'd like to hear from you um, what you're hearing from not only other uh, police officers, but also what you've experienced um, overseas in trying to understand a lived experience in a foreign land. So the, 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 one of the, one of the, and I'm carefully choosing my words because I want to nail it. Sure. Um, the biggest thing that changed me from working overseas, and I've been deployed to 14 different countries from the Middle East to the Far East to South America, where I am the odd man out. Mm-hmm. I am, a, it could be language, culture, nuance. I've got to fit in. Um, and I stand out. So learning to read the story, read what you're walking into without changing it, learning to blend, it basically brings the emotions down. 
and then you can start to feel where you can fit in. And, and, and then I'll jump to, you, you know, the, we, we talk about everybody needs to be respected. What I found most, most interesting is unless you've been disrespected, you don't really know what respect is. Once you've been disrespected, you feel that pain, that hurt. Now you get a sense of what it's like to walk in somebody else's shoes. Now you're cautious about talking too much with somebody in a contact with somebody in crisis or somebody not in crisis. The less you say, the more you hear. We become a very talkative culture verbally. The Jedi mind shift is talk less, hear more. You know, I, I did an interview for NBC 30 uh, about two months ago, was on the, or long, maybe a little longer, it was on the anniversary of the, uh, the death of George Floyd. And one of the things that I shared with the reporter is that in my, in my experience, what I'm finding is that we're now listening to hear more. Yes. Versus listening to respond. Yes. Being present in the moment. Active listening. We're not that good at it, mm -hmm. but we're working to get better. And I appreciate the training that you're, you're, you're delivering to departments like ours and around this country, because that's what's going to make us better. That's what's going to help us to evolve. Yes. Ray, I want to change channels for a second just and just talk about your experience uh, here in New Haven. You've seen policing evolve over the years, both when you were on the job and since you have left the job. Um, one of the things I believe the New Haven Police Department has done so well at is community policing. It is baked into the DNA within this city. What are you seeing uh, in the, when you go to when you travel to other other cities and other towns in terms of how they uh, do community policing compared to New Haven? It is in our DNA. Um... But it's a constantly evolving skill. I think the biggest thing to remember, especially in policing, is people want to feel they have some sense of control. I think where we're rebranding, for the longest time, we were trained to be professional, squared away, authoritative, commanding, all that stuff, which for the times, was appropriate. Given the cultural change, given that we've become tribal almost, uh, fear-based, uh, and never underestimate the impact of the pandemic, um, the ability to almost shape-shift to come in low in a situation. People already know we're the authority because there's some history that's not necessarily a good thing. So I think the first the first five or ten seconds, uh, which kind of goes to my training in, in 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 introduction to someone is the most critical. All the math is done in the first five seconds. Everything. Height, weight, age, race, ethnicity, your shoes, you know, just your eyes. Well, we do that intuitively. I go back to young kids. Kids do it automatically. Animals do it automatically. We as grown-ups, we don't. We, do, we think about it's the verbal. The verbal piece is the introduction. Oh, no, it's way before that. You know, the public safety work is hard. It is hard work 
Um, I like to say members must be skillful, trustworthy, and committed. There's a lot of a lot of critics out there that saying policing is broken, should be abolished, and that you know it, we just have to develop a new model. And when I think about community policing, community policing was developed during a time when America was trying to solve a problem. Now. We're, we're back here again, still trying to solve a problem, but I have to argue that community policing uh, should not be disregarded. I think community policing, we should keep trying to work um, and implement community policing in different neighborhoods, but also continue to get better. In other words, we need to uh, hold on to community policing, but also strive for community wellness. And, and, and by trying to achieve community wellness, we're working towards realizing that there may be some situations that the police aren't fit for, and we need to reach out to other professionals and others within our tribe, within our communities, to help solve these problems. Uh, what are you seeing in terms of programs, initiatives nationwide or even locally that you can point to and say, these folks are getting it right. They've got their finger on the pulse. So two things. I I would rebrand that community policing to dysfunctional family policing. Talk about that. So, you know, the, the, you got to pay attention to brand. Um, community policing, I think, um, has become franchised. We go to soup kitchens. You know, we uh, you know we we help people. Uh, we dole out food, right. you know, we, we, we shoot hoops with kids. Right. Um, that doesn't, that's not deep enough. No. I mean, if, if you're out there every day, you know, people aren't just incidents. Mm. There's history there. Mm -hmm. So learning about, at least in police training, my, my mission, my vision in academy training is, uh, you know, the first month, you have no power, but you're going to learn about behavior. You're going to learn about behavior in trauma. You're going to learn about behavior in crisis. You're just, you're nobody. Mm -hmm. uh, because when you're nobody, you got to figure stuff out. Uh, and I can speak to that uh, on, a, on a deeper level later on. But when you have no power, you got to figure stuff out. And I think we're training, we, we bring young officers in and we automatically give them some authority day one. Mm -hmm. uh, you're real good. You get very good at, at working stuff out when you have no power. Where the dysfunctional family piece comes in is that, you know, we have a tough job to do. We, we take away freedoms at times. That has many ripples. Uh, yes, it, it solves the problem, but it does not take care of the aftermath of how that affects families, how that affects that block, how that affects that street. So, you know, to be able to understand behavior, to be understand, to understand that a location has a personality, that, that, that everything matters. You have to really be a, a understand about how the brain works, how the limbic system works and have to pay attention to how you might skew a story just by showing up. So we go back to being present. 
I get back to being, don't write my story until you know who I am. Wow. You know, that, that it, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It, it, it's what you're, what, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, we need to, we need to not do away with all the superficial programs. That's, that's all well and good. That's what we should be doing. But in order to have a deeper connection with our communities, we need to really get to know our community members. And we, we, and we need to not write the story yes. about them until we know their story. For those of us who are working on, on a college campus, we have students coming from around the world who have varying opinions about policing in the United States. And it's been difficult. It has been difficult work over the last couple of years. But one thing I can say is that the, 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 the critical, those, some of the loudest voices have forced us to really rethink what we're doing and how we're doing it. You had a different role at the New Haven Police Department. You were a district manager in Dwight Kensington. So you knew of the Yale Police Department. You know, knew of our members. You knew of our campus. What are you seeing now versus what you were seeing then? Are you seeing anything different or hearing anything different in the manner and, and the way that we're going about our work? And can you talk about that? I think you, we really have to take a look at how much, how dependent we have, we've become on on technology. Mm. Technology has um, atrophied our human skills. I agree. Uh, and, I, and I have to go back to, uh, as being a, a dad with young kids, we've let it happen. Mm -hmm. You know, parents have let it happen. We've went on, we've taken a ride down the river to easy ourselves. So our, our kids really, a lot of them have, um, have grown up uh, below the radar and they have a different way of looking at things. Um, they're, they have a different way of assessing things. Uh, and the analog piece, the old school piece uh, is, I'm carefully choosing my words here, uh, is almost non-existent. And, and I'm gonna go back to uh, old school for the moment because there is something to old school. There is something to, we learn on strangers. That's, that's where, that's where the real learning piece is on a stranger, mm -hmm. not on a device. So growing up and I still, I, mean, I do it with my own kids every year. Uh, we sell chocolate at the beginning of the school year. World's finest chocolate, I think is the brand. Right. I, I bought some. 40, $44 for a box. <laughs> right. And then you sell them for a buck each. Now, uh, when I was coming up, old school, um, my parents gave it to me, and I had to go out and knock on doors. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to figure out dogs. I had to figure out making change. Right. I had to figure out the guy coming to the door with no pants on. Right. And I'm seven. Right, right, right. right? Now, my kids bring home the, the box, and Grandma takes it to work, and all her colleagues put the money in there. Kids have missed an opportunity to figure stuff out. Now, understandable, I think the worst, one of the worst things we ever did from a parent's point of view is we came up with this stranger danger nonsense. 
because that, that we, we take, we've taken away all our skills of our kids. You know, things are different now, yes, but you don't see parents taking their kids out, you know, letting them go up to the door, learn how to make change, learn how to ring a bell, learn, learn how to deal with conflict, learn how to deal with somebody who's making them feel awkward instead of telling somebody, give them skills. But you got to model this stuff, and let's talk about modeling. Modeling is we're all doing it. You're doing it. I'm doing it. We're living it. Biggest part of, I think, the success of my training, and, and it's not just with police, is that I, I live this stuff. You know, I, I, I basically I have no power now anymore. But I'm, I'm, in, I'm in so many different tribes that i got to figure stuff out. And figuring stuff out requires thought. It requires, i got to be present in the moment. What do I do if I'm not successful? What if I do, what do I do if somebody, somebody basically doesn't agree with me? And I'll give you an example. I travel all over the country. And let's talk about security in buildings. First face of a building when you walk in, could be gorgeous, is a security officer. I don't look like a typical guy. I'm all tatted up. People write my story before they know who I am. Absolutely. So the first five seconds when I walk into a building, instead of being greeted warmly, I'm greeted with, can I help you? Now, as a, I mean, I can become anybody as an actor. Mm -hmm. You just set me off. Now, if I'm late for a meeting, I can't find a parking space. You just made me worse by that missed connection. So the training with even security staff, be warm, be welcoming. You'll get everything. Right. And you have trained Yale security. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And and, and what I'm hearing, this is fascinating, Rick. You know, what what you're describing, the context you're providing, informs how we can educate students about safety and security on our campus. Because we can't assume that everyone has had the same lived experiences as we did coming up. And I had a paper route. I was bit by a dog yes. delivering papers. Yes. You know, we had to knock on doors and we had to collect money. Yeah. Um, at collection day, you had to go there and yeah. get the money. So there, I had to figure things out. So I'm, I'm, I'm tracking you. And, and so I, I think that we, we really, I think a space that we need to be in is trying to develop, um, training or uh, or some sort of awareness and, and also model behaviors for students who may not have uh, yes. the skills that that we have they have other skills yes and and quite frankly I'm, I'm not that I'm not the social media person yeah. <laughs> you know I, I need a young person to help me work through that but there but we do have a role and that role is to help young people figure things out we can't assume that they know how to do so. Well, I think that along with that assumption, there's a confidence that comes when you don't have conflict. And I think where social media has hurt them is that their confidence that they'll never fail uh, makes them just very, very fragile and very vulnerable. We learn on strangers. So I think modeling the old school way, the eye contact, the saying good morning, Young people need to know that those are important skills. Pay attention. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I want to take it back to something you said earlier and then bring it back to the present. You mentioned social media. You, you talked about knowing thyself. And on social media, it's so easy to read and respond mm-hmm. in the manner in which you respond or what you respond with for the person or people who are seeing or receiving what you what you're responding with, that they have an opinion of you. And sometimes that opinion that people have of you isn't necessarily the opinion that you want people to have of you. What are we doing? How, how can we, I mean, social media is, is, I have two children and they're all over. It, it, it just pulls and pulls and pulls you in. And one of the things that's challenging right now in this law enforcement space, in this policing space, is that it has been used to polarize this country. And it is very, very concerning. So when we talk about tribes, we're more tribal today than we have ever been ever before. And it's because social media social media has served as a medium, that platform yes. to to not only create tribes, but leaders of tribes as well. Yes. It but to the negative, it's like canaries singing into a mirror. Okay, you're you you're you're getting back what you're giving. There's mm. nobody saying, What'd you say? Yeah. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Challenging you. Yeah. Yes. Look, but up close and personal. Sure. Like on a playground yeah. or in a class. Who are you talking to? Yeah. Can't handle it. Yeah. I mean, but we, we perform like we train. And we're very, very well trained in the social media piece. But the, the old school analog piece is something that we need to it's balance. It's all about balance now. Mm-hmm. We're out of balance culturally. Mm-hmm. But, but, but on the other hand, one of the things that in, in policing we're saying, well, if our communities are on social media... If all these folks are on social media, then we need to be on social media. So we're, we're trying to balance both being on social media to talk about our work and to be transparent. On the other hand, it's trying to um, be physically present and, and, and model the behavior behaviors that we want others to emulate. It's a this is hard work. It, it's not easy. But I, I um, if not us, then who? Well, to, to your point, let me go to special forces, mm-hmm. and you know. They're they're trained to to have slower heartbeats when things go wrong. They're good at well, working in chaos, mm-hmm. especially when they're working solo and they go up into the hills. They speak many different languages, and I've taken a, I've taken a page from that training. The more languages you speak, the better off you are. So digital is a language, but so is analog. So is old school. So is stranger. So encouraging eye contact, it's encouraging good morning to saying something to someone or sup, whatever, whatever the culture norm is. Right. You got to get it right. right. Okay. You know, saying good morning in one neighborhood is not going to get you anywhere. So knowing, knowing the different tribes you're working among, different languages, that's the, that's the citizen of 2022. I speak many languages. So, so the, You've trained police officers, civilians, bus drivers, and, and everyone in between. Uh, do you think having uh, training, or, or better yet, let's call it some education, let's call it education. If we had a session with with students 
and some police officers together. And we, we went over some of the things that, you know, we just want students and community members to know. Do you think that's something that could possibly take off? In other words, remember back in the day, we used to have the Citizens Police Academy. And the Citizens Police Academy was an opportunity for the police department to invite community members in to, and we would talk about um, our department's different roles within the department, the work, et cetera, et cetera. And I found those to be really, really uh, helpful uh, for not only this police department, for others as well. But now there doesn't seem to be the same desire by some to engage. And, and, and now I, I just think that we need to look at the Citizens Police Academy model and think about how that might change. In other words, if we're going to bring members in to the department, and I don't want to just teach them about our department. I also want to, I want them to leave as better citizens, able and effective in intervening if need be, but at the same time, learning something about themselves. So if they find themselves in a situation, they can be helpful not only to themselves, but to others. So I think let's go back to who are you when people don't need you. And I've been in those rooms. I've, 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 I've worked in uh, Citizens Police Academy doing a couple of deliveries. I've also hung out a lot in a lot of different tribes. And if you just, if you, if you put cops in one room and civilians in the same room, cops are going to stick with cops. Yeah. Civilians are going to stick with civilians. So we're, we're, we're talking about what's the best way to connect. I think as we change as a as a brand in law enforcement, I think the natural draw when we walk into that room is to walk over to the civilians instead of to hang with each other. Mm. But that that's a Jedi mind shift. Mm. You know, I mean, it's people are looking to connect from here. Mm -hmm. They feel it when you walk into the room. And telling me what, telling you what I do, I guess that's okay mm -hmm. if I want to be in the room. Mm -hmm. But if I'm scared of you, you, you miss it. Right. So it's a it's a little bit of a shape shifting here yeah. that we need to do. Read the room. Mm -hmm. Where are people at? I mean, it's different working with. With I mean, I I did some work in a, an alternative high school in in New Haven, last stop high school. Loved working there. Uh, kids are loaded with trauma. You know, different relationship. You know, I mean, I I had to come in real low. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, because they had history, they had an opinion, they had they were loaded with trauma, etc. The fact that I was here to help, irrelevant, until they allowed me to help. What can police officers do to? You know, humanize themselves to to others. What can they do to um, be more relatable? I tell you what: the more trauma you've had in your life, the easier it is to do. You got to give permission for people to feel pain. You know, we we build cops up, we're squared away. 
you know, I see some of the, you know, the videos that we make at the end. Mm -hmm. It's all about us, you know, mm -hmm. our sense of proficiency. Sure. That's about our tribe. Mm -hmm. We're trying to connect with other tribes now. That's an art. Those are speaking different languages. One of the things, you know, there's a big, uh, big discussion now of, I do a lot of mental health training with, with police and understanding PTSD and uh, trauma and mm -hmm. all the different mental illnesses and stuff like that. Um, if you've, if, if you've never been touched by that, it, it, you're, you're looking to give somebody, send them to somebody else. I think that's the, that's where we are. We have a brand problem is that we're expecting somebody else to fix it. Let me send you to this person. Right. No idea of their skill set. Right. So, you know, taking a step back and, and kind of using your own experience, giving yourself permission. You know, I've been dinged. You know, everybody needs a turn in the barrel to be humbled. Mm -hmm. But humbled is, you got to use that to be able to call audibles. Mm -hmm. No, that wasn't working. This this is working. I, I think the that's the direction that we're headed in. And we talk about social work versus police work. I've worked with social workers on calls, and, and we roll together. You know, and I, the only thing difference between them and us, I mean, they're, they're not skilled at dealing with violence, but they listen. Yeah. Yeah. We tend oftentimes to tell, mm -hmm. ask, make, tell. Mm -hmm. So listen more. I go back to, th there was an old Yankee saying, uh, there was a wise old owl who lived in an oak. The more he knew, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why can't we be like that wise old bird? That's old, old school. That's old school. Made sense. Now. I love it. Stop I love talking. It. I love it. I love it. And you know, I, I'll never forget as we as we begin to close, sitting um, in the class, uh, maybe two years ago, before COVID, and you were showing us a video, and the takeaway was slow it down. It was the video with the with the man on the porch mm -hmm. the police officer shows up and he immediately engages we talked about slowing it down and when i hear you say listen more slow it down just take it in be there in the moment versus showing up you have a job to do try to figure yeah. out what's going on and do it by listening by watching and by hearing hunt for that hurt hunt for that hurt hunt for the hurt Ray, i want to Thank you for being with us this morning, but uh, I also want to give you an opportunity just to share anything before we close out um, that you want to say to this Campus Roll Call audience. I'm, I'm truly honored to be asked to, uh, to speak. Um, the more people who get to hear this message, uh, the more people who feel that I'm genuine, because genuine is really what makes the connection. Uh, if you're listening to me from here, that's okay. You're not ready. But if you feel it from here, then I've been successful. And then you, in turn, will pick up that mantle and start modeling this. Learn to speak a lot of different languages. Learn on strangers. Read the eyes. Shakespeare said it. The eyes are window to the soul. Read the eyes. Pay attention. Be aware. An authentic message 
from an authentic and innovative leader and trainer. Ray, I want to thank you for being here this morning. My, my pleasure.